0: Hebrews 11, Uh, let's go ahead and read. We're going to start in 10, actually. Um, We just can't get away from 10. Uh, We're going to start in 32 of chapter 10, and I want to read through verse 7 of chapter 11. So Hebrews 10, verse 32, through... Chapter 11, verse 7. Here's the word of the Lord. We Recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partnered with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plunder of your property, since you knew That we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve the souls. Verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendations. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith... By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Pray with me. Father, take these words that you have given. uh, Speak your words by the power of your spirit. And may that power bring forth life. Bring forth renewal. Bring forth faith. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So we are closing the book on chapter 10 today and transitioning into chapter 11. And as I've already mentioned, today we officially begin Advent a week early. Um, I want to give us a reminder of what Advent is, uh, why we celebrate it, why we recognize it. Uh, The word Advent, if you look it up in the dictionary... And I did. It says the arrival of a notable person. So the coming of a notable person. Um, the, the Latin word that it comes from is a compound word and it just means to come. Okay? That's what Advent means. That's just a, an easy way we can think about it. Um, a coming. So in church history, back to the fifth century, Advent has been recognized or on the church calendar um, it's been a, it's a season of time in the year usually the last Sunday in November for four weeks and concludes ultimately on Christmas the week of Christmas uh, it's normally four weeks uh, we are going to recognize it this year with five um, but when we talk about a coming, or the arrival of a no- notable person, we're obviously talking about Jesus, right? Well, there's two Advents for Jesus. One has already happened, and one is yet to happen. Okay? There's two Advents. And so the point of the season of Advent, of having it on our calendar, on our radar, is that we can focus on these two Advents. But I want you to understand, the church—let mm, me back, back up— the people of God has, have always been in a season of Advent. Always. It didn't just Advent, what, like we named it in the 5th century. But even Israel was waiting on an Advent. Eve, after her sin in the garden was waiting on an advent for the seed of her to crush the seed of the serpent. The people of God have always been in a time of waiting. Key word in Advent. Waiting. Waiting. Waiting for God to send or fulfill His promise. You know, He says... Paul says in Galatians that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. And at that moment, the people of the Old Testament were no longer waiting. They had been given the promise that they were waiting for. But in a twinkling of an eye, they were waiting again. Because what happened is when God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born in the law to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive the adoptions of son. He came, they had waited, they had endured another buzzword for Advent. They celebrated his coming, but just like that, he was gone. And as he left, the angel standing amongst the disciples said, uh, this Jesus, whom was taken up. Into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And there again, God's people were waiting. Anticipating. Another word to always keep in our mind during Advent. Waiting, enduring, anticipating. And here we are. Doing the same thing. Waiting on the second Advent the second coming anticipating now typically your advent season has four themes faith hope joy peace and if you do something on christmas the week of christmas it's typically the theme of love well as i as i mentioned earlier we're beginning hebrews 11 the chapter the faith Chapter, the Hall of Faith. It seemed uh, very uh, wrong to not look at the theme of faith and Advent today. So, as we transition to ten to eleven, here's what I want you to think about with Advent in the back of our minds: How, how are we to wait on the return of Christ, His second Advent? Or we could just say it a little bit simpler. How are we to live our lives as we wait on Christ to return? See, isn't that what we're doing as we wait on Christ to return? We're living our lives. We go on day by day. That's what the saints of the Old Testament did as they waited for the promised Messiah. They lived their lives Uh, But when we think back to Hebrews 10, what was the preacher trying to do? He wanted to convince you, to convince his hearer, that they are to wait and live in confidence and assurance of the will of the Father, the work of the Son, and the witness of the Spirit. He wanted to convince you of your confidence and assurance in salvation but not in a way where you set it and forget it if our mindset for salvation is like nailing something down and then going on to another thing we've misunderstood what the preacher in hebrews wants us to be confident about he wants us to be confident His aim in chapter 10 and then what he's going to continue on in 11 and even into 12 is to give us confidence and insurance in the saving work of God and that we might live in it. Not just have it and put it in our pocket. But that it shapes our lives. He wants to convince you to live boldly For the sake of Christ, Christ lived and died for you. Now follow him. Live for Christ by dying to yourself. But why do you need confidence insurance for this? Well, if you're following Christ in this world, if you're looking to live for Christ, you will face trials. You will suffer You will be tested, there's no doubt about it. Paul says to Timothy, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. I read that a little fast. Let me say this again. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Do you desire to live a life devoted to God? Like you got to think about that. You wake up in the morning. You drink your coffee. You eat your cereal. You put on your clothes. You go to work. You raise your kids. You deal with your neighbors. You deal with your co-workers. Are we doing these things in the light of devotion to God? If you do, and you desire that, and you strive to live a life devoted to God, you will suffer. You will. If you want to live a life devoted to God, it will cost you. I remember playing you ever played the game as a kid, like it's I don't has no name. But it's like, oh you could be a millionaire. But only if you had one leg. Right? It's like you can have all the riches you want. But it's going to cost you something. Are you willing to lose that one thing in order to have the riches of whatever? Or you could have this house and live on a desert. You know, it's, Are you willing to have the riches at the cost that it takes? Well, I'm telling you. Are you wanting to live a life devoted to God? And if you do, it will cost you. It will cost you. Paul told the disciples after he had been stoned half to death, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Do you live your life trying to make it as easy as possible? Like, if we just make life as easy as possible, we could stroll into the kingdom of God. That's the exact opposite of what a half dead Paul says who had just been stoned by rocks. How do these tribulations come? They come by living for Christ. Truly, living for Christ, being a servant. In the kingdom, being a soldier of the Lord. The end of Hebrews 10. That was the point he was wanting to make. (coughs) At the end of Hebrews 10, he was trying to let them know that, hey, you've already suffered loss, reproach, affliction. But if you're going to stick it out to the end, be prepared, there's going to be more. There's going to be more affliction, more loss. More suffering. But look what he says in verse 35. And we're going to start making our transition here. Verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. In the midst of your devotion to God, you're drawing near to God. In the midst of wanting to live a godly life, don't throw away your confidence. Because, he says, there is a great reward. You will have. Be tempted to throw away your confidence and assurance. There's a great reward. He's reminding them of hope. Don't throw away the confidence you have in Christ. Look at verse 36. What does it take? One word. Endurance. Where you have need of endurance. And that's back to the big question in Advent. So how are we to live as we wait on Christ to return? We wait with endurance. Endurance means to remain steadfast, unmovable. We wait for the return of Christ continually moving forward. At the finish of verse 36, "For you have need of endurance so that you will have done the will of God. you that's what we want, right? You want to do the will of God? Yep, we, do. we do. He doesn't say, "It's easy. He says it takes endurance. How long? How long, O oh Lord, are we to wait? How long are we to endure? Verse 37. Yet a little while. Really? But he says a little while and the coming one will come. And he will not delay. He will come. And we are to endure every day. Pursue every day to be godly. To be devoted to him. To endure Every day until he returns. Verse 38. And that looks like living by faith. But my righteous one shall live by faith. This is the only way that we wait for the next advent to live, breathe, think, and do everything by faith. Do you see how we're transitioning into into chapter 11 here? The only way to endure is by faith. And the only faith, the God, the only faith that saves is faith that endures. From now and forever, when you think about faith, I want you to think about endurance. When you think about endurance, I want you to think about faith. The only way to endure in Christ is by faith. To endure in Christ is to continue in faith. Faithfulness is simply enduring faith. We read it in James 1, right? At The beginning of James 1. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness same same greek word as endurance in hebrews the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing why is that so important why why would it be so important that we must endure As our faith is tested, that we lack in nothing. Well, the answer is in the rest of verse 38 in Hebrews chapter 10. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. We talked about in Sunday school, there are some verses that would just make us cringe If you do not live by faith, the opposite is to shrink back. To shrink back is the opposite of endurance. It's the opposite of living by faith. And God takes no pleasure in that person. God in His holiness, His righteous judgment. Here's the, here's the word He uses in verse 39. Destroys. The one who does not endure. The one who shrinks back. And so the church member who uh, comes week by week, who is deceived, who lacks faith, and calls out to God on the last day, Lord, Lord. The Lord responds, I have no pleasure in you. Go away from me and be destroyed. It's such a bleak and sad and dark state that we claim faith, but yet our lives have no fruit of faith. But instead of staying bleak and dark, he says in verse 39, but we are not those who shrink back. And are destroyed. But of those who have faith. And preserve the soul. He transitions into chapter 11. With an encouragement that we will not shrink back. We will not be destroyed. But we will have faith and preserve. And he now he changes course in his sermon to hope. To drive endurance and faith and he does this in Hebrews 11 in two ways number one he defines faith he defines it in the very beginning and then in the rest of it he gives examples of faith now that's a very simple way of saying it but that's what we're going to be looking at this morning is the defining of faith our goal today is its definition because understanding faith gives hope and For driving endurance, for lasting endurance. And while we're considering this endurance and this faith, I don't want you to be tempted to be like, okay, I got it. I'm going to beg, I'm going to bog down. It's all about me, and I'm going to be faithful, and I'm going to remain. And then you forget verses 23, 24, and 25 of Hebrews 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging the one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. I think there's this big hinge in verse 25, this big hinge that swings from promise to peril, hope or hopelessness godliness or sin and it hinges on verse 25 on the neg- on the neglecting to meet together the whole the whole situation changes on that verse promise or peril endurance or shrinking back we need to remember as we think about faith as we think about endurance that god has given you one another for encouragement to endure god has given you one another for the encouragement to endure you cannot leave these doors and say i'm good I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna do what I'm supposed to do. I'm gonna come out. I'm gonna sit in the pews. I'm gonna be fine. I'm just gonna do what I'm supposed to do here. I'm not gonna talk to anybody. I'm not gonna encourage anyone. I'm not gonna get to know anyone. I'm not gonna pray with anyone. I'm not not really like the songs that we're singing. We come together for the encouragement of one another. And when you separate yourself from the body of Christ, you separate yourself from death, you will die. You will not endure if you are not connected with the lifeblood of the body of Christ. You have to know that. Promise or peril, and it's connected and hinged on the meeting together. Because the day is drawing near. The day is drawing near. And he'll either find pleasure in you or he won't. Now, with all that in mind, we're not going to take a lot of time here on this definition. Chapter 11, verse 1. We know and see that we are to live by faith. We are to live by faith because if we don't, what happens? He has no pleasure in us. We have to. If we want to endure, we have to live by faith. And he's like, do they even know what that word means? What's it good for? What's it mean? How does it work? What's so great about this faith? Look at verse 1, chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, when you look at the dictionary, you're not going to see that. When you look at the Greek definition of faith, you don't see that either. Um, when you look up the Greek definition, you see statements or phrases like a statement of certainty with regard to belief, persuasion, moral conviction. None of those are helpful for me at all. Um But we use words, we're like, oh, what's faith? Oh, it's belief. And that, that too is, is helpful in some places. But what the author of Hebrews does here is he doesn't give us a formal definition like you would find in the dictionary. But what he does is he, in this amazing way, shows you the impact of faith. It's not like, oh, I wrote it down because I wrote, that's what faith is, I know it. No, he shows you like the nitty gritty, what it's doing. Now, when we look at this verse, we'll call it the definition of faith because it says faith is. When we look at faith in verses one, we see two things. He's trying to communicate in this one verse. And one of them, I really, you really gotta pay attention here, is eternal, not eternal, internal, inside. And one, the other aspect in this definition is external. Got it? One is inside, the other aspect is outside. And hear me closely. Faith takes effect. Inside of you, in you, faith takes effect inside of you, in your heart, in your mind. That's the internal peace. But faith, while it is working in you, is looking to something outside of you. That's the external peace. Got it? The faith is working in you internally as it's looking to something outside of you. That's the external Faith is. Now look at the verse. We've got, now faith is, and then two phrases separated by one comma, right? Now faith, first phrase, is the assurance of things hoped for, comma, second phrase. You could just say, now faith is the conviction of things not seen. Two phrases separated by one comma, both expressing this internal An external aspect of faith. Uh, Now, we're going to look at this phrase at a time. First phrase. Look closely at it. Now, your version might say um, confidence. The assurance, faith is the assurance or confidence of things hoped for. Can you pick out the internal aspect of faith in that phrase it's the assurance the internal aspect of that phrase is assurance when someone has faith they have assurance they possess confidence and where is it it's not out here it's internal now faith is a possession of assurance and confidence internally I'm sorry, your version might say substance, like the matter. It's not out here, it's actually in here. But the question is confidence in what? Assured about what? And here's where the external piece comes in the assurance or substance of things hoped for, of things hoped for, things in the future, future expectations. Future events, future results. Faith is the internal assurance and confidence and in an external future event thing or result. Now I know that's kind of a big a lot of a lot of words in there. Here's an example. You walked into this building today, and you are internally assured and confident in the pew. You trusted that pew. You, you were confident that if you were to sit down in that pew, you would not fall to the floor. You exercised internal faith towards an external object. Okay. Now, look at phase, phrase two in verse one. Now, faith is the conviction of things... Not seen. Very similar to the first phrase, but from a different angle. What's the internal aspect? Conviction. Conviction. Now, faith is the conviction of things not seen. Or your version may say evidence. What's the... um, Let me back up. When you have faith, you possess internally conviction Or evidence, but conviction or evidence of what? The external, the things not seen. So then, what are things not seen? Think about it. It, 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 We're even thinking about futuristic things that we hope for. Things that are out in front of us. But we can also be thinking about things in the present or in the past. How can we not see things that are in the present? Because they're not of this world. They're spiritual. The Holy Spirit is present. Can you see him? No. Faith is a possession of conviction or evidence of things external that you actually cannot see with your eyes. So you can understand how these two phrases, now let's look at them together. The assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen, how these two phrases, while different, are really saying the same thing. And this is the day I wish I had a a whiteboard because I would be all over it. Um, So we've got these two phrases Different, saying the same thing. We've got, here's what they're saying. Internal aspect, external aspect. Internal is assurance, confidence, evidence, conviction. External, things hoped for, things in the future, things unseen. Now, we're going to do some cooking. And we're going to boil these words down. And we're going to come up with the most simplest phrase or definition for faith. So that when you walk out these doors today, you can tell someone faith is and say this. And they're not going to be like, what? Assurance? Conviction? What are you talking about? And we're going to put it in the context of what we're talking about in Hebrews 10 and 11 and Advent. If we get a big melting pot and we put some assurance in it and we put some evidence in it and we put some conviction in it and we let it simmer for a while. What do you think is going to pop out of there? I'm going to tell you it's this word. trust. You're like, you went through that for 10 minutes to just say trust. (laughs) But I want you to understand, right? When you say the word trust, I want you to think surety, confidence, proof, evidence. That's trust. And that is here. When you have faith, Those are the things you possess. You possess the assurance. You possess the confidence. You possess the evidence and therefore you trust. Right? Okay. So let's go back to our melting pot. Things hoped for. Future events. The things unseen. Yet to happen. We mix all these up. What do they have in common? God. God. All of these things happen, are possible because of God. Anything that you hope for from Scripture is only going to be fulfilled by God. Anything that you cannot see with your own eye that is spiritual is a thing that belongs to God. So, again, simply, the internal aspect is trust, the external aspect is God. That's faith. When you read Hebrews 11.1, 1, you can say faith is trusting God. That's it. Almost. There's a piece that you don't see unless you look carefully and you read the rest of Hebrews chapter 11. Or at least you read the next, even just the next few verses. There is a third aspect that isn't situated in verses one, but comes pouring out to us in the rest of chapter 11. Biblical faith, trusting God, always results in action. That's the whole—I mean, you you look for this pattern in Hebrews 11. Let's do this. You ready? Verse 4. I'm going to show you. There's this—you're going to see this pattern. Faith, the person, and the action. Verse 4. By faith, Abel offered. Verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. 17. By faith, Abraham offered. Twenty one. By faith, Jacob blessed. Twenty four. By faith, Moses refused. Twenty seven. By faith, Moses left. 28. By faith, he, Moses, kept. 29. By faith, the people crossed. 33. Who through faith, this one's a little bit longer, conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies in flight. Last one, 36. This is implied by faith. It's not written, but it's implied. It's still on that same list. Others suffered mocking and flogging. And even chains and imprisonment. By faith they were stoned. By faith they were sawn in two. By faith they were killed with the sword. By faith they went about in skins of sheep and goats. Destitute, afflicted and mistreated. Of whom the world was not worthy. By faith wandering about in desert and mountains. And in dens and in caves of earth. Trusting God results in action devoted to God, in obedience to God. If you remove that, this, this chapter doesn't exist. There's no point. Faith is hopeless. Faith is an internal work of God on you in order to bring about a desire that God wants. Without faith, I'm getting ahead of myself, it's impossible to please Him. Three aspects of faith trust, God action now I just want to conclude by saying three things three final things to take home with us this week and the overarching theme that if we are to be um, if we're to live Hebrews 10 especially that last part uh, having having you have need of endurance so that when you do the will of God you may receive what is promised we have to understand that the whole the whole answer to that is to live by faith and when i say live by faith i mean live i, I don't mean say i i believe i'm saying let your life say i believe every breath Every word, every action, we strive to be a result, an action of trusting God. So three things. Oh, and understand this. I, I, we won't go through it. That phrase, the righteous shall live by faith, that we see in Hebrews 10, is in four different books of the Bible. Four different books of the Bible. It's, it's a... Unnegotiable. That word did not make any sense, but you know what I meant. Three final things to take away with us this week. Number one, faith is the only way to please God. Faith is the only way to please God. The only life that is the only life. God says, let me look at your life. Let me examine it. He's only going to say, good, good job, faithful servant. Well done, is when he sees a life that has been lived by faith trusting god not not oh i believe but i believe and here it is because what do we say in james that even the demons believe and shudder god god is or faith is the only way to please god look at verse 38 again in hebrews 10 But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Uh, Verse 2 of chapter 11. For by it the people of old receive commendation. You're like, what are you talking about? That means God's approval. We say it today, oh, I vouch for him. That's what that is. God vouching for us. He only vouches for those who have faith. That's it. I vouch for him. Um, God is pleased and approved on those who trust him. Uh, how does anybody know that they truly trust God? Well, just insert your name in Hebrews 11. Like, do you think, do I trust God? Do I really trust God? Well, just think. Uh, ask yourself. Can I say, by faith, I obeyed? By faith, I obeyed. I go out by faith. I offer up or give up or by faith. I keep commandments. It's a good test to put your name in Hebrews 11 and say, am I doing these things? Am I am I living by faith? Verse five and six. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. He was approved as having pleased God. Verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Look at that closely. And find the internal and the external. Look at this. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For who would ever draw near to God must believe, internal, that he exists, external, and that he rewards those who seek him, external. Without faith it's impossible to please God. In order to draw near to God, which is what we desire to do, Hebrews 10, we must draw near by faith, trusting in Him. We must believe that He exists. We must believe that He rewards those who seek Him. Faith is the only way to please God. Second, faith is the only way of endurance. Obviously, this is what we've been driving at. Faith is the only way of enduring, of waiting for Christ Living by faith is living for the unseen, the unfulfilled promises of God. But guess what? You live by faith because you know that they will be fulfilled. Imagine, imagine I'm taking you to a destination, and you're in the back of my pickup truck, right? And they are like, I'll take you where you need to go. Just get in the back of the truck. And some of you are like, I saw the back of your truck yesterday. I'm never getting in the back of your truck. Uh... But I'm like, just trust me, get in and go. So we start driving and storm clouds start rolling in. And you knock on the back glass and you, Luke, are we getting close? And I yell at the window, trust me, we'll make it. Wind begins to pick up, right? The wind starts howling. You start to feel some, uh, some uh, raindrops on your face. And you, Luke, trust me, we'll be there shortly. It'll be so worth it. Just trust me. A few minutes later, the day has basically vanished because the thick, dark storm clouds have picked up. The wind is – but you could feel the wind moving the truck, and the rain is starting to pelt you, and it stings. And you think in your mind, tell him to turn around and go back. This isn't worth it. And I put my head out, and I say this. Endure the agony for just a little while longer. Endure the pain for just a little bit more. Trust me. Trust me, we're almost there. The reward for your endurance, the reward for your faith in me will be like anything that you are feeling right now. The pain that you are suffering now is nothing compared to what you will have at our destination. Nothing compares to the glory that you will see when christ returns so endure just a little bit longer trust him for just a little bit longer obey him today give up your sin today and tomorrow it'll be worth it he promises go back to hebrews 10 verse 23 let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? The external. For he who promised is faithful. It's him. That's it. The reason why our internal can remain steadfast. And confident and assured is simply because the external, God himself, is steadfast, faithful, and sure. The object of our faith, he who promised, is faithful. Therefore, endure by faith, or may your faith endure. And I, I, I just want to, last thing. Faith is the only way to please God. Faith is the only way to Endure. Faith focuses on Christ. Faith focuses if, on Christ. If you desire the first two things, to please God and endure him until the end, your faith must be focused on the advents, advents of Jesus Christ. Okay, to live by faith and endure, you must be focused on his first coming and his second coming at the same time. Now I use the word focus because I want you to see something because I want you to understand that faith is in the terms of seeing. Faith is seeing. Receiving faith is like going to a heavenly doctor, a heavenly eye doctor and getting your eyes fixed. You walk into this you walk into this eye doctor spiritually blind, unable to see anything. God's holiness, nope, can't read that. Your sin, nope, can't see that either. The cross of Christ, nothing, it's just blurry. I'm sorry, sir, you don't have faith. You cannot see. And the only way to fix your sight is by the grace of God, giving, granting, faith in Jesus Christ. Fixing Your spiritual lenses that you can see the holiness and majesty of God. And with these new lenses, by faith, you see the wretchedness of your sin against God. And only by the spiritual lenses of faith are you able to see the glorious beauty of a cruel, cruel cross. There he is in your new sight of faith hanging on a tree for your sin, for your guilt. But with this new sight, you cry out to God for mercy, and come to Him for forgiveness and eternal life. But that's not the only thing you can see now. You can see He's coming back. Like you can see it. That's what faith is—seeing the unseen. You have new eyes. You have spiritual eyes. That's what faith is. In those spirit with those spiritual eyes, you never stop looking at the cross and at his second coming. Mm-hmm. And that's how you continue forward. Is by focusing on those two things. The two advents of Christ. That's your reward. That's your possession that's better than anything and then you can say because i've been crucified with christ it's no longer i who live but christ who lives in me the life i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me let's pray Father, may your words not return void. And may the fruit of your truth come forth. Focus our eyes to see that which we can't. Give us faith so that we can continue and endure and not shrink back. Work in us the confidence and assurance in you. In Jesus' name, amen.